0: I'm going to talk to you on a subject this morning that may kind of stretch your um, ability to imagine, um, because I'm going to talk about winter. And we're right here in the middle of the hot summer. But winter is coming. And the problem is we don't know a whole lot about winter in Augusta. If I were preaching this up north, they would understand exactly what we're talking about. I left Indiana as a young evangelist. I was driving a 1,000 miles a week on the average from church to church preaching. And we had a bad winter. And we had just had the third snow, and the first two snows had not melted. The third snow was 27 inches on top of those other two. And I prayed a simple prayer. Like this, dear Heavenly Father, there's got to be a better place than this. (laughs) And with that, I pulled into the a a tire company and had a new set of snow tires put on my car, and loaded everything I had in my car and headed home to North Carolina. And uh, it a a trip that normally took me. uh, about 10 hours to make it took me almost 36 in fact i'd been on the <clears throat> i'd been on the west virginia turnpike for nearly 3 hours i turned on the radio and discovered that it was shut down it was shut down i was on it and it, the snow had covered everything you couldn't tell where the side of the road was i was going around those mountains i didn't know i didn't know where the road was i just The the only way I judged anything, I knew there were mountains on one side, so I knew that there'd be a a fall off on the other. And I just eased my car far enough that I got got right to the shoulder where I could feel my tire get off the edge on that. And and I knew that was the edge. And so I I worked my way home and I finally got home. And um, then I came on to Georgia. Thank the Lord for Georgia. And um, I jokingly tell people that winter came in Augusta last year on Thursday. Um, we, we don't, well, occasionally we do. How many of you remember the ice storm? You remember that? Yeah, occasionally we do, have, we do have some bad weather here. But thank the Lord it's not every year. And thank the Lord you don't have to shovel your way in your driveway and then shovel your way back out the driveway. I actually live where there's so much snow you had to get on the roof and shovel your roof off or either your roof would cave in from the weight. That's not a good place to live. Amen. And if any of you are visiting from the north, come on down. God made this place to live. He made the rest of that up there just to kind of hold the globe together. But the title of my message this morning is Don't Wait until winter. And my text is from 2 Timothy chapter 4. In fact, I'll be in chapter 4 for the entire message today. But for my text, I want to read verses 9 and verse 21. Paul said, be diligent to come to me quickly. That's in verse 9. And then Paul goes on for several verses. And then in verse 21, he starts off by saying, Do your utmost to come before winter. Now, let me give you a little background. This is a letter to Timothy from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is perhaps the greatest figure in the New Testament outside of Jesus Christ himself. He did more for the spread of the gospel for the evangelization of the whole known world in his day than any other disciple, apostle, preacher, teacher, or anybody that we know from history. God used Paul in a powerful way. We could say that Paul may be responsible for us having the gospel here today. And the reason I say that is because Paul was the first one. He is the one who saw in a vision from God and heard a messenger from Europe saying, come over and help us. And Paul changed his travel plans up in Asia Minor and took the gospel to Europe. And that's where our ancestors came from. And our ancestors brought the gospel to America. And America has carried the gospel to the four corners of the earth. We've been the greatest mission-sending nation in the history of the world and on the face of the earth. So you could say that the Apostle Paul is is way back there in the beginning of getting the gospel to the whole world. He had an illustrious ministry, wonderful ministry. If you read the book of Acts, it's a history book. Half of that book is, is devoted to the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of your New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So when you read your New Testament, you're reading the writings of the Apostle Paul, a mighty, mighty, mighty man of God. Timothy was his son in the faith. wasn't his natural son, but he was a spiritual son. Timothy was mentored by Paul. Paul raised him up. Paul taught him. Paul traveled and brought Timothy along on some of his journeys, and Paul poured his life into him. Paul even left churches for Timothy to follow up with instruction and and pastor, in fact. Paul traveled. Three great missionary trips are mentioned in the Bible, listed and detailed, And everywhere Paul went, he started churches. Sometimes he'd stay a year, year and a half, two years, as he did in Ephesus, and pastor the church till it grew strong enough to support leadership. And then he would place a pastor to follow him, and he would go on somewhere else. What a great man of God Paul was. But Paul now is in Rome, and he is in a Roman prison, and he has been sentenced to die, he's going to be executed. His head is to be chopped off by Nero's chop block where he persecuted and killed so many Christians. But before he goes, he writes a letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. It's one of the two letters to Timothy that's recorded in your Bible. And this is coming to the end of that letter. So you you might say, and my first point of this message is a final charge Paul is writing final words to the man that he has mentored and poured his life in to follow him. He's raised him up to be a leader in the church. And Timothy didn't let him down. Timothy was a great man of God and followed in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. But he gives a final charge, and you'll read that in the first five verses of this fourth chapter. Let me read them to you. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living of the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. That was his first instruction to Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, and because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables." But you, Timothy, you be watchful in all things. You endure affliction. You do the work of an evangelist. You fulfill your ministry. In other words, Paul is saying to Timothy, son, one day you will be where I am. You're a young man now, but age will get to you just like it gets to everybody. And when you get to my age, when you come to the end of your journey here on this earth, I want you to be able to look back over your life and be able to testify that you've endured to the end, that you've been faithful, that you've been obedient. Paul said, and read it in Acts when he was standing before King Agrippa, he said, O oh, King Agrippa, I've not been disobedient to my heavenly vision. In other words, Paul said, I've, I've done what God called me to do. And so he says to Timothy, now, I'm going to be gone. I'm not going to be able to tutor you anymore. I'm not going to be able to mentor you anymore. I'm not, You're not going to have me to call upon anymore. But I'm going to tell you, the most important thing you can do in your ministry is to preach the Word of God. And can I say to you this morning, it's just as important in 2019 as it was when Paul wrote this in the first century, that we preach the Word of God. Amen. I can tell you right now, I love and I'm thankful for every church in this city that preaches the Word of God. But there's some churches that don't preach the Word of God. There's some churches that have gone away from the faith. There's some churches that have gone into fables. There's some churches that have denied the faith. There's some churches that tell you, you God understands, everything's okay. no, no. No. And this is the standard that we will all be judged by when we stand before God, so we must preach the Word. I pray for and bless all my fellow ministers in this city that preach the Word of God. But those who don't preach the Word of God, I pray they get hiccups when they get in the pulpit. We need to preach the Word. Amen? There's life in this Word, folks. And if you're going to live, if you're going to survive, beyond that, if you're going to grow and you're going to thrive, you've got to feed on the Word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's important that we preach the Word. And he told him to, to continue, to be faithful, to be watchful, to be mindful. He so said, there'll be times you'll, you'll run into folks that won't endure sound doctrine. Amen. Don't let that deter you. You preach the gospel anyway. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you, church, if, 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 don't get upset with us from the pulpit if we don't cave into this culture. I pray, God, that this pulpit never caves to the culture. I hope if we, if we have to be counterculture, we'll be it. But we'll hold up the Word of God as the standard. <laughs> Amen. And then Paul, he gives this charge and then he follows it up with a final confession. And I love his confession. Part of this you'll be very familiar with. I'll begin reading verse 6 and read through 8. Paul said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and at the time of my departure is at hand. Here's the part we're familiar with. You hear it at funerals a lot. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith, finally there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me on that day and not to me only but also to all who love or or have loved his appearing. Praise God. Fought a good fight. How many of you want to be able to finish strong? You want that? Amen. That's what Paul said, "I, I fought a good fight. He's looking back now for a moment. He said, I fought a good fight. Then he looks at the present. He said, I finished my course. I see the finish lines right there in front of me. In fact, he said, I can look out through the bars of my cell and see the chop block out there. I'm I'm ready, praise God. Finished my course. I've come to the end. Don't have any regrets. Ready to go. And then he looks at the future, and he said, praise God. When they chop my head off, God's going to crown it. There's a crown of righteousness that's laid up for me. And Timothy, it's not just for me, but it's for everybody that loves the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you longing for His return today? There's a crown of righteousness waiting for you. Praise God. That's what I love about serving Jesus. Our future is bright. Amen. I don't have to check the stock market to know about my future. I don't don't have to check any of the indications. I don't have to check which party's in power to know my future. I don't have to check anything except the Word of God and the Spirit of God that dwells in me to know that i got a bright future. Amen. Is your future bright today? Amen. If you know Jesus, you have a bright future. Praise the Lord. Now, this is where most people stop reading the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy. Uh, they, they, They use that. You've heard it preached on, taught, quoted. But they usually stop there. But there's more in this chapter not only does he give him a final confession, not only does he give him a final charge, but he ends up by giving him a final challenge. And I love this challenge. You'll have to go back to my text. Be diligent to come to me quickly, Paul said. And then he said, do your utmost to come before winter. Now these two, uh, th- these two things are Separated by a number of verses here. But, but as Paul's starting off here, he says, Timothy, I want you to come see me. And I want you to, I want you to come as quick as you can. And in other words, you, you could say it like this Timothy, as soon as you get this letter, start packing your bags, get you a ticket, and get over here to Rome as quick as you can. Come quickly to me. I want to see you, son, before I pass away. And then he writes on for a few more verses. And he comes back, and and then he makes this statement. Don't wait till winter, son. Don't wait till winter. Come before winter. Now, I want you to note the reasons. There's several reasons why Paul is so urgent here with this final challenge. Number one, look at verses 10 and 11. He said, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Only Luke is with me. Now, think about this for a minute. Here's here's the Apostle Paul. Here's this man who has preached to more people. He was the Billy Graham of his generation. He has preached to more people. He has established more churches. He suffered more persecution. He has traveled more miles than perhaps any other person in the church of that day of that whole first century. And now he's come down to the end of the way. He's, 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 he's at the end. He's at the finish line. And he looks around. You would think that this man would have such a host. I mean, they'd be texting him. They'd be emailing him. They'd be snail mailing him. They'd be Snapchatting him. They'd be, they'd be Twittering him that tweeting him they'd be they'd be it, you would think but here's what paul says some of the folks that i thought were close friends have forsaken me let me stop just a minute how many of you sitting here this morning sometimes somewhere in your life you've had someone maybe more than one somebody that you thought was really a good friend and when the chips were down, they let you down. Have you experienced that? Yeah. yeah. Most of us have. If you live long enough, you probably will. There, There's some folks that you think are your friends and not really your friends. I know some of you got 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, 3 4,000 Facebook friends. They're not really friends. They, they're acquainted with you. And they like something you said. And you say something wrong, they'll, they'll defriend you in a hurry. And this is what Paul said. Paul said, I've got some folks that have defriended me. He said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. In other words, Paul said, I, I, I didn't compromise the gospel, and Demas couldn't take it. His love for the world was more than his love for the Lord. And he's let me down. I need his help right now, but he's gone. I didn't read all of them. If you read on through there, you'll find out that uh, Alexander the coppersmith, he's another one did. A whole bunch of Roman Christians that seemed to be Paul's friends just sort of disappeared when he got close to his execution. And uh, they, they didn't stand with him. You can read that in verses 14 and 16. And then and then there were others and, and please be careful to distinguish between the two Paul said some left me because they just deserted me but there's some others that were with me and I really enjoyed their company but they had to go they didn't have any choice they, they had they had ministry works that they had to get to they had churches that they had to pastor and And he mentions some of those. Crensus, for example, he had to go to Galatia. He's pastoring over there. Titus had to go to Dalmatia. Uh, Tychicus had to go to Ephesus. And Erastus had to go to Corinth. And uh, Tramophus had to go to, uh, to Miletus. And so some of Paul's friends had to leave. They didn't have any choice. All of these are preachers and pastors. And they got works, and they could only stay so long with Paul. They had to leave and so it left only one and he said only luke is with me only luke luke wasn't a pastor luke was a doctor he said my doctor stuck it out with me of course luke was evidently was financially able to travel many of the travels with paul and thank the lord for Tim, uh, for uh, luke because In Paul's final hours, Luke was able to stay there with him. And what a comfort and strength he was to him. Let me say this to you this morning. I've lived long enough to know that if a man or a woman reaches their golden age and they've got three or four, maybe five or six close friends that they can really depend on, that, that, that will be there for them through the ups and downs, the ins and the outs. When things are going good with you when things aren't going good with you, you're blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. I'm going to say it one more time. You're blessed. If, you, if you've got a handful of close friends that you can really count on, that'll stand with you, when everybody else forsakes you, when everybody else turns, you, turns aside from you, when other people criticize you, when, when other people tell lies on you, when other people put you down, if you've got some folks that'll stand with you, you are blessed. Amen. Paul had Timothy. Paul had Luke. What a blessing these two were to him. Paul's lonely. Said, Timothy, I... I want you to come as quick as you can. I'm I'm lonely. There's nobody here with me but Luke. And Luke can't do everything. Good night. He can't stay here 24 hours a day. I've got him running errands and going and preaching over here and teaching over there and doing, taking my message over there. And I need some help. So note the request that he makes. Three things that Paul asked Timothy to bring with him. First of all, he said, I want you to bring John Mark. John Mark, if you know your Bible history, was a young Christian that went on one of the early missionary journeys with Paul, and si- uh, with Paul and Barnabas. And somewhere along the way, John Mark, being young, physically young, naturally young, but also young in the Lord, John Mark got homesick and deserted. He bailed out on them didn't finish the journey with them, so the next time Paul gets ready to make a missionary trip, him and Barnabas, Barnabas starts getting everybody together, and he's got John Mark on the list and Paul said, no 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 we're not we not taking John I'm not going through this second time with john Mark he's not mature enough to handle it yet. he deserted us on the last trip I don't want you taking John mark and uh and, and Barnabas and, and Paul literally got in a, in, a, in a pretty strong dispute over John Mark and, and wound up with Barnabas taking John Mark. But Paul took Silas, and, and uh, it actually turned out to be two missionary trips with two different leaders because Paul wouldn't take John Mark with him. But Paul writes to Timothy, and he said, Son... I think John Mark knows that I wasn't putting him down. I wasn't against him. I just knew that he wasn't mature enough to handle the kind of journey we were going on. But I'd like to tell him face to face. So would you bring John Mark with you when you come? And I think he probably did. Paul was able to fellowship with him and let him know that he loved him and appreciated him. And then he said, I want you to bring my cloak. In other words, bring my overcoat. It's cold here. I'm in a... I'm in a cold, dark, damp Roman cell, and winter's coming on, and I need my coat, so I want you to bring my coat. And then thirdly, he said, I want you to bring the books and parchment. I need something to read. Bring bring those with you, if you will. Now, I want to make an application of this, and I want you to get this last little part of the message today, and why I'm Sharing this with you. Remember again, Paul's urgency. He says, please come quickly. Please come before winter. And let me explain why. Paul knows that if Timothy doesn't come before winter, that he won't be able to come at all until next spring because the travel in that part of the world, all the ports, the seaports closed. And Timothy would not be able to get a boat to Rome until next spring. And Paul has an idea that he probably won't still be here next spring. And so he says, come quickly. Come before winter. In other words, there are some things if you don't do before winter, you won't have an opportunity to do it all you, you you i want you to come i want you to come quickly i want to make an application of this today and I, I want to close with three things that i want to encourage you to take care of quickly don't wait around don't wait around there's some opportunities that don't come a second time there's some opportunities that if you hesitate or you wait you won't get an opportunity. When I was just a young preacher, I went for a revival in Richmond, Indiana. And the pastor's name was Walter Langdon. And Walter Langdon, I jokingly say, I went for a revival and stayed five years. And I really did. I went for a revival. After the revival, he invited me to stay and work at his church. And I worked for him for five years. He became my spiritual father he became my spiritual mentor he came he became my closest friend in the ministry for many many years i worked for him in richmond indiana and then i worked for him in griffin georgia he and sister langdon introduced me to my wife i lived in their home i lived in their home as a young evangelist that went to work in a local church I lived in their house. I became part of the family. I refer to Sister Langdon as mom. I never called him anything but Brother Langdon. His daughter called me yesterday. And she, Sheila told me, said, Dad's really down. I said, Sheila, I'll get there just as quick as I can. And I, Faye said, go on. And I said, I can't leave you. You've got, you got a heart procedure coming up Wednesday. And we worked it out for her sister to look after her tomorrow, and I planned to leave early in the morning and go see Brother Langdon. Just as I was getting ready to come out to the first service, my phone rang. And they said, Brother Langdon just passed away. He's gone. I wanted to see him one more time. I wouldn't call him back. He's in a better place, and I thank God for him. But you talking about bringing a message home. I'm, I'm sitting there at my desk saying, I'm fixing to go out and challenge the congregation not to put anything up, not to put off what you need to do, the urgency of it. And Boy, I feel it down, down, down inside. I, I had to hesitate. I had to wait another day, but another day made it too late. Now, I'll see him again. Don't you worry about that. We'll we'll see him in glory. But what I'm saying to you this morning, church, there are things that we need to do that we need to do quickly. There are things that we need to do that we don't need to wait around until winter. Because there's some things if you don't do now while you have the opportunity, you'll never get the opportunity. Let me give you three things I want to challenge you with, and I close with this. First of all, don't put off affirming those that you love. Remember what I said a while ago? If you got two or three, four, five, six real good friends, you are blessed. How about letting them know? How about letting them know? Listen, church, we have a tendency for those who are the closest to us to take it for granted. Well, you, there's some people you just know they love you, and you you then you know they're going to be there, and you know. But take the opportunity to affirm them. I don't know how many family members I have talked with in times of death that have said, "If I'd only made one more visit, or if I'd only made one more phone call, or if I'd only if I'd only told them just how much they mean to me." I, I've I've, I've seen people just. Weep because they lost an opportunity. Don't miss those opportunities. Don't miss them. Take advantage of them. Tell your family you love them. I know there are cultural things that seem to hinder our conversations. My dad was much older. He was 40 before I was born, so he belonged to that great generation way back there you know, that lived through the Depression and World War II and all of that. But in that generation, they they just didn't express love as easily as we do. I was grown, married, and had two children before I ever heard my daddy say, I love you. But I am so thankful I finally heard him say that. And it meant so much to me that I have made sure that I never depart or hang up on the phone or anything from either one of my sons without them hearing their dad say, I love you, son. I love you. That may not be easy, but if it's not easy, learn to say it. Amen? Learn to say it. Learn to say it. Tell your wife how much you love her. Tell your husband how much you love him. Heard about one old crusty farmer. Somebody said, you ever tell your wife you love her? And she said, I told her the day we got married I loved her said, if I ever change my mind, I'll tell her. (laughs) No, you need to to tell them. You need to tell them often. (laughs) The Lord has given us the ministry of encouragement. Did you know that? Let let, let, let me help you with something. Let, Let me tell you how to discern people who need encouragement. We run into them all the time. Let let me tell you, listen up, listen carefully. I'm I'm going to give you a, a, a clue, a key on how you can discern when you're talking to somebody that needs a word of encouragement. You ready? Look them straight in the eye, and if they're breathing, they could use a word of encouragement. They could use a word of encouragement. I have never I have never encouraged anybody and had them say, oh, stop it, preacher. I don't need that. Good time of living. Give that to somebody else. I don't, I don't. No, 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 no. We all need encouragement. Amen. You know, you look at some people, you say, oh, they've got all these friends. They, got, they don't need it. Yes, they do. You just never know. A few days ago, I got a, Tony Bismore shared with me, He said, Pastor, I just wanted to tell you how much you have meant to me through the years. Boy, I can't tell you what that did for me. Can't tell you what a blessing that is. You say, Preacher, you get it all the time. I'm blessed. I do get probably more than most people because of the position that I have here and the relationship that we have. Y'all are such an encouraging body of believers, such a wonderful church. You encourage me. Sometimes I think you're lying to me, but I receive it anyway. I say, bless you. Every sermon ain't that good. I'm sorry. But but if you tell me it's good, I'm going to say, yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Because we all need encouragement. Amen. Amen. Don't let those opportunities go by another day. Share it. Tell it. Secondly, secondly, don't put off doing your part to heal relationships. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. You're, you're not going to get through life without having some bumps in the road. And there's going to be times, sometimes it's be, because we lose our temper or because we say something insensitive or because we do something stupid. Or, <laughs> I heard a preacher the other day, he got mad at his wife. He looked at her and he said, why in the world did God make you so beautiful and so dumb? And she answered right back. He said, she said, God made me beautiful so you could have me. And he made me dumb so I could have you. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes there's going to be relationships that get broken. And sometimes there's going to be big gaps that come. We're going to get split apart. We're going to get divided. And there's going to be feelings hurt. And there's going to be anger. And words said that, and you get hurt. Listen, the Bible tells us, if you're a born, born-again spirit-filled believer, here's what the Bible tells us to do. Jesus said it. As much as in you, as much as lies within you, live at peace we're, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Don't, don't wait on somebody else to initiate. I've had a lot of people tell me, I'll forgive them if they'd apologize. You better forgive them whether they apologize or not. Amen. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And then after he finished that prayer, he said, and conjunction, tied to the Lord's prayer. If you don't forgive others their trespasses, God will not forgive you your trespasses. His forgiveness to us is tied to our forgiveness for others. We don't have any choice. You better forgive. But let them know it. Initiate, start it. I, I know it may not be easy, I know it may be hard. Sometimes you may have to swallow some pride. Swallow it! It's worth it. Do whatever you do. I see families get divided up and split apart over the simplest little old stuff that don't mean anything. Five years from now, you'll hardly remember what it is. Why 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 don't you initiate? Do whatever it takes. Don't wait. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait. And finally, this is my... My final me- point of the message today: Don't wait. Don't put off preparing for your eternal destiny. Amen. Don't do it. I don't know who may be sitting here this morning that's unsaved, but I want to challenge you. Please do not put off. I'm 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 not only encouraging you to get right with God this morning. I'm I'm not too proud to beg you. It'd be worth. I beg you this morning on. On the Lord's behalf to give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus. Your Heavenly Father has done everything reaching out to you. He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus hung on a cross between heaven and earth and between two thieves, giving His life, trying to tell you how much God loves you. And how much He wants you to come to Him and be a part of His family. I challenge you today, don't put it off. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. I've shared this before, but I was reminded of especially when I was thinking about winter, the early part of the message. This week I read a story several years ago. Happened way up in the, in the far north where they have these blizzards, storm blizzards. And they were having one in a a little child, a little toddler got out from the house. And before the family realized that he was gone, his tracks were already covered with snow and there was no way to track him. They didn't know where he went. They didn't know which way he went. They, they, they just realized they couldn't find him. They turned the house upside down, in and out, trying to find him, and realized he must have gone outside. And so they started trying to find him through the snow. It was a blizzard. The snow was still coming down. And, and so they, they called for the neighbors and the neighbors came and they, they called for the, all of the professional help and the, and, and the fire department came and the police department came and everybody came and and, and, they, and, and minutes turned into hours and, and they're trudging through snow and there's woods behind the house and they're going all through the woods and they're going, all, they're going everywhere. they got helicopters overhead trying to see if there's any possibility and after hours, four or five hours... They're exhausted, and they come back together and try to come up on a, what do we do now? And somebody said, why don't we just start at the back door, and why don't we just make a line and just take hands? Let's take hands, and let's just kick through this snow. And they they hadn't gone 200 yards until they found the frozen body of that little toddler that had wandered away from the house. It's too late. And here's what struck me. The dad said, if we had just taken hands sooner, if we just held hands sooner, how many families would be together today if we'd just reached out and taken hands? sooner, bury your pride, quit trying to stubborn and out stubborn the other one. How many churches would still be intact today if we'd have just joined hands sooner? If we just said, you're my brother, you're my sister. Amen. We may not see eye to eye on everything, but God didn't call us to see eye to eye. He called us to live heart to heart. Amen. Amen. We're born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to join our hands and our hearts and do the work of the Lord. Church, we don't have a whole lot of time left before Jesus comes. There's an urgency in the call today. Let's get with it. I want you to stand with me, please. Let me close with this illustration. True story. In 1962, Billy Graham, you can read it when you read the life of Billy Graham, 1962, Billy Graham was awakened in the middle of the night suddenly by the Holy Spirit with a heavy, heavy burden for Marilyn Monroe. And he started praying for Marilyn Monroe. The next day, he told his staff what had happened and he said, to his staff, see if you can make contact with her. And they started trying to make contact with Marilyn Monroe, but the agents kept putting him off and stonewalling and wouldn't let him through to talk to her. They finally told her, they said, we're sick and tired of you calling. We've asked Miss Monroe, said, there's a little gap in her calendar. Two weeks from now, you can talk with her. He wanted to give her the gospel. Before those two weeks were up, the whole world was shocked with the headlines that Marilyn Monroe had taken her life. Two weeks was too long. They should have let him through. But they put it off. I don't know who you are this morning. I don't know where you are. But I want to tell you, two weeks may be too late. There's some things you need to take care of today. And if it's your salvation, I wouldn't wait another minute. I wouldn't trust going to the car and getting home. If I wasn't right with God, I, I would take advantage of this opportunity and this service today to come and give my heart to Jesus. Don't put it off. Don't, don't wait till winter. Don't wait till winter maybe too late maybe too late so there are many of you perhaps in this congregation today that you've never really made that full confession and commitment of your life to Jesus there's some of you that have known the Lord but you've wandered astray you know you're not walking with the Lord you know you're not living right you need to come back into fellowship with the Lord today don't put that off don't wait you're losing out come on back come on home God's waiting for you if that's you I want you to come when we give the invitation in just a moment there are others of you and I've asked the Holy Spirit today to bring to your remembrance to bring to bring it up in your heart and your mind what what it is that you need to take care of today but there's some things that you need to take care of it could be relationships I've talked about those today if they're broken it's time to get them healed it's time to do your part. There's somebody you may need to apologize to. There may, there may be somebody you just need to encourage. You just need to tell them you love them and remind them. There may, there, I, don't, I don't know what the need is. I don't know what the situation is, but the Holy Spirit right now, you know who you are and you know what's coming to your mind right now. As the Holy Spirit speaks to you, I want to say, please don't put it off. Take care of it today. Take care of it today. Take care of it today. I don't don't know what it is, but take care of it today. Quit putting it off. Procrastination may cause you to miss the opportunity. Bow your heads with me, please. I want the prayer team to come quickly, and I'm going to invite folks to come and pray. If you're unsaved, I want to encourage you. I want to urge you to come and give your heart to Jesus. If you're away from God, I want to urge you to come back home. Come on. If, they, if, if it's you in a relationship that's broken or fragmented or hearts that are hurting, maybe, it's a, maybe there's friction between you and your parents. Maybe there's friction between you and your children. Maybe it's friction between you and your siblings. Maybe it's friction between you and a neighbor or a coworker or maybe it's a friendship that once flourished and you've lost it. Maybe it's other things. Maybe it's a financial something, In the past you need to you need to go back and correct a shortcoming, it's whatever it is. If the Holy Spirit is bringing something to your mind this morning that you feel like you need to deal with, I want you to step out from where you are and come and bring it to the Lord and ask God to give you the grace, the courage, and the wisdom to know how to handle it. all over this building right now, from the back to the front. Come on, come on, the altar's open. If you want somebody to pray with you, there are people here to pray with you. If you want to just find a place and pray, you do that. The altar's open. Come on. Come on. Don't wait. Don't wait. Come before winter. Do thy diligence to come quickly. Come. Don't put it off. Not another day. Not another minute. Not another week. Not another service. Let's take care of it this morning. God bless you as you respond.